Chapter Ten, Part Three of Tales from Sketches by Boz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Lazarus. Sketches by Boz by Charles Dickens, illustrated by George Cruikshank. Chapter Ten, Part Three of Tales. Here was the time for a flourish. By allowing me, replied Watkins, falling bump on his knees and breaking two brace buttons and a waistcoat string in the act, by allowing me to be your slave, your servant, in short, by unreservedly making me the confidant of your heart's feelings, may I say for the promotion of your own happiness, may I say in order that you may become the wife of a kind and affectionate husband? "'Disinterested creature!' exclaimed Miss Lillerton, hiding her face in a white pocket-handkerchief with an eyelet-hole border. Mr. Watkins Tottle thought that if the lady knew all, she might possibly alter her opinion on this last point. He raised the tip of her middle finger ceremoniously to his lips, and got off his knees as gracefully as he could. "'My information was correct?' he tremulously inquired, when he was once more on his feet. It was. Watkins elevated his hands, and looked up to the ornament in the centre of the ceiling, which had been made for a lamp, by way of expressing his rapture. "'Our situation, Mr. Tottle,' resumed the lady, glancing at him through one of the eyelet holes, "'is a most peculiar and delicate one.' "'It is,' said Mr. Tottle. Well, "'Our acquaintance has been of so short duration,' said Miss Lillerton. "'Only a week,' assented Watkins Tottle. "'Oh, more than that!' exclaimed the lady, in a tone of surprise. "'Indeed?' said Tottle. "'More than a month, more than two months,' said Miss Lillerton. "'Rather odd, this,' thought Watkins. "'Oh,' he said, recollecting Parsons' assurance that she had known him from report. "'I, I understand, but—' "'My dear madam, pray consider. The longer this acquaintance has existed, the less reason is I therefore delay now. Why not at once fix a period for gratifying the hopes of your devoted admirer? It has been represented to me again and again that this is the course I ought to pursue,' replied Miss Lillerton. But Pardon my feelings of delicacy, Mr. Tottle. Uh, pray excuse this embarrassment. I have peculiar ideas on such subjects, and I am quite sure that I never could summon up fortitude enough to name the day to my future husband. Then uh, allow me to name it, said Tottle eagerly. I should like to fix it myself, replied Miss Lillerton bashfully, but I cannot do so without at once resorting to a third party. "'A third party?' thought Watkins Tottle. "'The deuce is that to be, I wonder. Um, "'Mr. Tottle,' continued Miss Lillerton, "'you have made me a most disinterested and kind offer. "'That offer I accept. "'Will you at once be the bearer of a note from me to Mr. Timpson?' "'Mr. Timpson?' said Watkins. "'After what has passed between us,' responded Miss Lillerton, still averting her head, "'you must understand whom I mean, Mr. Timpson, the, uh, the, the clergyman.' "'Mr. Timpson, the clergyman?' ejaculated Watkins Tottle, in a state of inexpressible beatitude and positive wonder at his own success. 
"'Angel, certainly, this moment—I'll prepare it immediately,' said Miss Lillerton, making for the door. "'The events of this day have, have flurried me so much, Mr. Tottle, that I shall not leave my room again this evening. I will send you the note by the servant.' "'Stay, stay!' cried Watkins Tottle, still keeping a most respectful distance from the lady. "'When shall we meet again?' "'Oh, Mr. Tottle,' replied Miss Lillerton coquettishly, uh, "'when we are married. I can never see you too often, nor thank you too much.' And she left the room. Mr. Watkins Tottle flung himself into an armchair, and indulged in the most delicious reveries of future bliss, in which the idea of five hundred pounds per annum, with an uncontrolled power of disposing of it by her last will and testament, was somehow or other the foremost. He had gone through the interview so well, and it had terminated so admirably, that he almost began to wish he had expressly stipulated for the settlement of the annual five hundred on himself. "'May I uh, come in?' said Mr. Gabriel Parsons, peeping in at the door. "'You may,' replied Watkins. "'Well, have you done it?' anxiously inquired Gabriel. "'Have I done it?' said Watkins Tottle. "'Hush! I'm going to the clergyman.' "'No,' said Parsons. "'How well you managed it!' "'Where does Timpson live?' inquired Watkins. "'At his uncle's,' replied Gabriel, "'just round the lane. He's waiting for a living, and he has been assisting his uncle here for the past two or three months. But uh, how well you have done it! I didn't think you could have carried it off so.' Mr. Watkins Tottle was proceeding to demonstrate that the Richardsonian principle was the best on which love could possibly be made, when he was interrupted by the entrance of Martha, with a little pink note folded like a fancy-cocked hat. "'Miss Lillerton's compliments,' said Martha, as she delivered it into Tottle's hand, and vanished. "'Do you observe the delicacy?' said Tottle, appealing to Mr. Gabriel Parsons. "'Compliments, not love, by the servant, eh?' Mr. Gabriel Parsons didn't exactly know what reply to make, so he poked the forefinger of his right hand between the third and fourth rib of Mr. Watkins Tottle. Come, said Watkins, when the explosion of mirth consequent on this practical jest had subsided, we'll be off at once. Let's lose no time. Capital, echoed Gabriel Parsons, and in five minutes they were at the garden gate of the villa, tenanted by the uncle of Mr. Timpson. Is Mr. Charles Timpson at home? inquired Mr. Watkins Tottle of Mr. Charles Timpson's uncle's man. "'Mr. Charles is at home,' replied the man, stammering. "'But he desired me to say he couldn't be interrupted, sir, by any of the parishioners.' "'I'm not a parishioner,' replied Watkins. "'Is Mr. Charles writing a sermon, Tom?' inquired Parson, thrusting himself forward. Uh, "'No, Mr. Parson, sir. He's, he's not exactly writing a, a sermon, but he is practising the violoncello in his own bedroom, and gave strict orders not to be disturbed.' "'Well, say I'm here,' replied Gabriel, leading the way across the garden. "'Mr. Parsons and Mr. Tottle, on private and particular business.' They were shown into the parlour, and the servant departed to deliver his message. The distant groaning of the violin yellow ceased, footsteps were heard on the stairs, and Mr. Timpson presented himself, and shook hands with Parsons with the utmost cordiality. "'How do you do, sir?' said Watkins Tottle, with great solemnity. Well, "'How do you do, sir?' 
replied Timson, with as much coldness as if it were a matter of perfect indifference to him how he did, as it very likely was. "'I beg to deliver this note to you,' said Watkins Tottle, producing the cocked hat. "'From Miss Lillerton?' said Timson, suddenly changing colour. "'Pray sit down.' Mr. Watkins Tottle sat down and while timson perused the note fixed his eyes on an oyster-sauce coloured portrait of the archbishop of canterbury which hung over the fireplace mr timson rose from his seat when he had concluded the note and looked dubiously at parsons may i ask he inquired appealing to watkins tottle whether our friend here is acquainted with the object of your visit our friend is my confidence replied watkins with considerable importance then sir said timson seizing both tottle's hands allow me in his presence to thank you most unfeignedly and cordially for the noble part you have acted in this affair he thinks i recommended him thought tottle oh, confound these fellows they never think of anything but their fees i deeply regret having misunderstood your intentions my dear sir continued timson disinterested and manly indeed there are very few men who would have acted as you have done mr watkins tottle could not help thinking that this last remark was anything but complimentary he therefore inquired rather hastily when is it to be on thursday replied timson on thursday morning at uh, half-past eight uncommonly early observed watkins tottle with an air of triumphant self-denial i shall hardly be able to get down here by that hour this was intended for a joke never mind my dear fellow replied timson all suavity shaking hands with tottle again most heartily so long as we see you to breakfast you know eh said parsons with one of the most extraordinary expressions of countenance that ever appeared in a human face what ejaculated watkins tottle at the same moment i say that uh, so long as we see you to breakfast replied timson we will excuse your being absent from the ceremony though of course your presence at it would give us the utmost pleasure mr watkins tottle staggered against the wall and fixed his eye on timson with appalling perseverance timson said parsons hurriedly brushing his hat with his left arm when you say us whom do you mean Mr. Timson looked foolishly in his turn when he replied, "'Why, uh, Mrs. Timson, that will be this day week, uh, Miss Lillerton, that is.' "'Now, don't stare at that idiot in the corner,' angrily exclaimed Parsons, as the extraordinary convulsions of Watkins Tottle's countenance excited the wandering gaze of Timson. "'But have the goodness to tell me in three words the contents of that note.' "'This note?' replied timson is from miss lillerton to whom i have been for the last five weeks regularly engaged her singular scruples and strange feeling on some points uh, have hitherto prevented me bringing the engagement to that termination which i so anxiously desire she informs me here that uh, she sounded mrs parsons with a view of making her her confidante and go-between that mrs parsons informed this elderly gentleman mr tottle of the circumstance and that he in the most kind and delicate terms offered to assist us in any way and even undertook to convey this note which contains the promise i have long sought in vain an act of kindness for which i can never be sufficiently grateful good-night timson said parsons hurrying off and carrying the bewildered tottle with him 
won't you stay and have something said timson no thank ye replied parsons i've had quite enough and away he went followed by watkins tottle in a state of stupefaction mr gabriel parsons whistled until they had walked some quarter of a mile past his own gate then he suddenly stopped and said you are a clever fellow tottle ain't you i don't know said the unfortunate watkins i suppose you'll say this is fanny's fault won't you inquired gabriel i don't know anything about it replied the bewildered tottle well said parsons turning on his heel to go home the next time you make an offer you had better speak plainly and don't throw a chance away and the next time you're locked up in the sponging house just wait there till i come and take you out there's a good fellow how or at what hour mr watkins tottle returned to cecil street is unknown his boots were seen outside his bedroom door next morning, but we have the authority of his landlady for stating that he neither emerged therefrom nor accepted substance for four-and-twenty hours. At the expiration of that period, and when a council of war was being held in the kitchen on the propriety of summoning the parochial beadle to break his door open, he rang his bell and demanded a cup of milk and water. The next morning he went through the formalities of eating and drinking as usual, but a week afterwards he was seized with a relapse, while perusing the list of marriages in a morning paper from which he never perfectly recovered. A few weeks after the last-named occurrence, the body of a gentleman unknown was found in the Regent's Canal. In the trouser pockets were four shillings and threepence apney. A matrimonial advertisement from a lady, which appeared to have been cut out of a Sunday paper, a toothpick, and a card-case, which it is confidently believed would have led to the identification of the unfortunate gentleman, but for the circumstances of there being none but blank cards in it. Mr. Watkins Tottle absented himself from his lodgings shortly before. A bill which had not been taken up was presented next morning and a bill which has not been taken down was soon afterwards affixed in his parlour window. End of chapter 10, part 3 of Tales from Sketches by Boz, by Charles Dickens. Recording by David Lazarus.